The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including Gate Global Impact. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is a venture capitalist at uh, InnoVentures Capital called uh, named Steve Grizel. Steve is an old friend of mine, uh, and in fact, uh, Steve and I go way, way back, uh, probably known Steve 20 years now, and uh, 10 years ago when I was doing uh, an earlier iteration of this show uh, before Google Hangouts were a thing, uh, before podcasts were a thing, uh, uh, I had Steve on my show and we, we had a great discussion about capital markets in Utah. But Steve, welcome back. It's great to have you on the new show and uh, we're thrilled that you take the time to be with us. Devin, it's a real pleasure to interact with you as always. No, thank you. Steve, you're on your way to Egypt. Uh, tell us about what you're planning to do there. The Egyptian government is looking for some help on how to create a, a system to fund entrepreneurs uh, and help them become more sophisticated so venture investors will be interested in investing in those companies. In the bigger picture, it's part of this effort across the world to uh, move to an entrepreneurial-based economy as opposed to a big corporation-based economy. And so what will you be doing while you're there? How are you going to go about working on this project? Well, I'll be doing three things. So the first... Uh, premise is uh, that the Egyptians have, have, have identified, and, and they're getting money from the World Bank to do this, so there's buy-in in a little bigger page or a bigger uh, phase of, of this vision of creating a, a venture industry. They've identified the issue that there's not enough funds and that they're going to become a fund of funds to put money into venture funds in Egypt. And I'm supposed to go there or I'm going there to teach them how to do valuation and due diligence on venture funds to, uh, so they can make their selection. Um, the so you're problem. teaching them how to invest in venture funds, or how venture funds how how venture funds should invest in companies. I'm going there to teach them how to invest in venture funds. Um, the 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 issue becomes that uh, the 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 model, the strategy they're 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 thinking about. Uh, to do this uh, has a really high likelihood to fail. 
it's failed in the United States in some of the more, we call them flyover states that have tried to develop a, a risk capital industry. And um, they're copying the same model. Uh, it, it Basically by saying we're only going to invest in venture funds that operate in Egypt, in other words, money for Egyptian investment funds, they are risking creating orphans, uh, companies that have been funded that can never get any more funding. And this whole concept of uh, funding so that it's integrated and it can take a company from an accelerator seed stage in theory, all the way to an IPO, that concept, uh, they don't don't have that in mind yet. And so so how do you get them there? What are the key things that differentiate the broken model from the model you envision that will work in Egypt and perhaps in other developing countries? If I look... Let me start from the United States as a, as a base for this, uh, for my theory. Uh, and, and it's not just mine. I, I rely a lot on smarter people than me. The uh, In the United States, what I see and what I hear from entrepreneurs is, okay, I got some money from an accelerator here. And they took me to a demo day, and I got some angel money, again, if I'm lucky, and then I'm done. Okay? The Series A guys won't do it for the most part, and so you get a whole bunch of orphans at that stage. For the few that are lucky enough to get a Series A investment from a VC fund, most of those are orphaned as well. And the, the evidence in the real world for that is the incredibly poor performance of Series A venture funds in the United States. One of the funds I manage is a 2007 vintage year. That means it started in 2007. I went to PitchBook to get the latest results on 2007 vintage year benchmarks. And for funds that are less than $100 million, my fund is substantially less than $100 million, their return at this point is a negative 3%. Wow. means is of the capital that was paid into their fund by investors, they've returned 97% of it. And, it does, now, it does, and, and it's important yeah. to call out that the public markets have done quite a bit better than that. Uh, they're up, uh, not dramatically, but probably, what, 20% in that same time frame? Uh, it, it, they, I would think it's uh, accurate to say the public markets have performed substantially better than negative three. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and so then I thought, why is that? Because it's not like they're dumb people by any means or right. they're not looking to succeed and make money. 
And I think what's happened in the United States is that there's only about a dozen firms that are probably making 80% of the profits. And the reason that they're doing that, I think, because they don't say, okay, here's our model. Uh, you should copy it. They, they have, they're, they're vertically integrated using that old term. They're sending out scouts who they give equity to in seed stage companies that a Sequoia funds, for example. I'm pretty sure they're using this model. And then once you're in the Sequoia system, they can take you from the seed level to the IPO. Whereas the Series A guys, exits are taking a long time and they don't have the ability to do the next round. And if they can't do the next round, typically the later stage investors, they want the Series A guys to follow on or they won't do the deal. And the Series A guys can't follow on because their funds are only supposed to last 10 years, if it takes seven years to get it to a Series B and there's nobody there and they can't follow on to do the Series B, then the company's dead in the water. Yeah, interesting dilemma. So, so the idea is to have an integrated capital system that uh, starts funding at the seed stage and has the ability to do essentially every round through the IPO. Is that, the, is that what I'm understanding you say? Yeah, and, and that would be the best of all worlds, but certainly the vision is you hand it off to the next stage, that they're in, there's a, a, a process that at least allows for that and is trying to do that from the beginning. I mean, you yeah. see all over uh, the University of Utah, uh, is grappling with the fact they identify these really promising companies. They put some angel money in. They try to get some other angel investors. But the angel investors can't do follow-on funding. Right. So unless that deal is connected to the Series A guys, it's going to die at that stage, that company. So the Kickstart Fund in Utah is a, is a bridge, in, in, potentially, right? Because they have connections to the A guys uh, in a fairly formal sense, and they also have the ability to invest in the A round uh, as a follow-on investment, right? Is, is that an example of what you're thinking about, or am I missing the point? No, that's a good example. Okay, okay. So I think we're tracking and understanding a little bit about what you're proposing. This is really exciting. So when do you leave for uh, Egypt? Thursday, uh, next week. So one week from today, that's great. Very exciting. And how long will you be working there? Uh, I'm going to work for a week with the Egyptian counterparts, and then I'm going to go ride camels through the Valley of the Kings and try and find ancient Egyptian treasure. I think that is a very good idea. You don't have these opportunities all the time. Well, we will be excited to learn more about your trip when you get back. Steve, give us a, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you that are a little more personal, but 
first, you've been a role model to me. You've been a role model to all kinds of people uh, throughout your career. Who do you look up to? Who's your role model? You know that picture of the Chinese guy in Tiananmen Square standing in front of the tank and the tank tries to get around him and he keeps moving in front of the tank? Yes. What he's exhibiting, the values he's exhibiting, he's, he's, he's an example of one of my heroes. Yeah. Yeah, I boy, I can appreciate that. Uh, I uh, I spent a year in China, and uh, it's remarkable how few of the Chinese are aware of his story, uh, because he's he's world famous outside of China, and unknown within China. It's it's tragic uh, because he is such an icon of courage, Steve. Why do you care about these things? You're going clear to the other side of the world to help them set up uh, an ecosystem. And I imagine you're getting paid a little bit for this, but for crying out loud, it can't be worth the hassle. What, what inspires you to do this kind of thing? Actually, I'm not getting paid to do this, but. Anyway, oh my gosh. They're paying my triple. Um, you know, when social entrepreneurship comes up, the uh, the focus sometimes uh, seems to me to miss the mark. The as I think about in Egypt, the issues of hopelessness that have led to the revolutions, the rise of groups like ISIS. That, that sense of hopelessness that the only way to make changes is to blow yourself up, uh, that's the realization around that is um, stunning to me. And the United States has a huge interest in not having the largest country in the Middle East in terms of population, Egypt's 50% of the Arab population, dissolve into a failed state, as we're seeing in places like Syria, is huge. And I believe the way out of that dilemma is to provide people with some opportunity to improve their lives and to improve the system that they're in. The Arab Spring came out of the dissatisfaction or the complete alienation. I mean, it was a risky thing those people did in Tahrir Square, I believe, is where the focus of it was in Egypt, put their lives on the line to try and change their government. Because they really did risk a lot to do that. It wasn't a trivial risk. And yet it, it shows you the 
the lack of belief that they have that anything will change in their country under the current circumstances. When I lived in the Philippines, I ended up down in the island of Mindanao, and they sent me to an area that turned out to still be active uh, rebels, armed rebels against the Filipino government. And I started bumping into them after a while, and I used the strategy of pretending I didn't see them, and they pretended they didn't see me, and it worked out just fine. But as I looked at these people and thought about who they were, I thought to myself, what does it take for a poor, uneducated rice farmer to pick up a gun and risk his life fighting trained soldiers who are better armed than him. What motivates him to do that? And as I started to think about that, that's kind of provided me some of the sense of, you know, it's a huge problem what's going on in the Middle East right now, is an understatement. Ultimately, it's coming down to a lack of opportunity and hope where you've got lots of people, and they're not just brainwashed, uh, ignorant farmers that are blowing themselves up. Some of these are well-educated people that are doing this. But that's the what they see as the best way they can make a difference and be righteous, whatever the right term is. And there's, there's a better way, obviously, to do that. And I think entrepreneurship is the way to transform these countries. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it channels that same youthful, almost aggression, that desire to make a difference in the world in, in a much more positive way to say, let's, let's make you an entrepreneur. Let's have you channel Steve Jobs instead of uh, Osama bin Laden. Right. Yep, that's a great way. Yeah, yeah. Let's channel Steve. Yeah, great, great model. Let, Steve, let's. One last question. Uh, I, I, we ask all of our guests to give us an impact hack, some way that we can use some tip, some habit, some principle that would guide us in doing more good in the world. Uh, what, what's your tip? What's your impact hack? It's hard for me to describe it other than with cliches like dare to dream big. You referenced it when you latched on to the vision of eradicating polio. Most of us, or I've, I've historically lived my life by doing the little things that would help accomplish bigger things. And that's kind of what's going on with this Egypt trip. They want me to teach them valuation laws. Who cares, right? That's not going to result in a society where entrepreneurs can change it. And trying to reframe our efforts to say, 
what's the really big problem going on here? And taking the risk to try and make it happen. I think, I think there's a very good chance that the organizations I work with are going to tell me that what I'm pushing is a mistake or they're not willing to do it. I, I anticipate I am most likely to fail because I'm not buying into the bigger picture. But I'd like to engage in dialogue with them. I could be wrong, right? I don't know Egypt. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's the hack is to say, let's take on the really big problem of how to transform this society from however you want to use a description to describe the economic situation in Egypt to a dynamic, innovative entrepreneurial system. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. How to do better valuation techniques or upgrade service provider skills. We, we do need to think big. We need to think at scale. Uh, with billions of people suffering from all kinds of different uh, problems, we, we've got to think about every problem at scale. And I, so I love your, your suggestion. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. I know there are people who will want to engage with you in some dialogue about your thinking and others who may need some of your money. Tell us, tell people how they can get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing at, at InnoVentures. I like to communicate via phone or email. And the best way, send me an email, steve at InnoVentures.com, and we can set up a time to talk on the phone. Fantastic. Well, Steve, thank you very much for being here today. We wish you every success on your trip to Egypt, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Devin, for what you do. All righty. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.